Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I do have something to share with you today, and I really do feel like I have an assignment from the Lord. And it's simply, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead us in just a minute to pray. I feel like God is going to give us grace for something today. And it's, it's grace. How many know that grace is a, a gift of God's power to enable you to do something you couldn't do yourself? That's really what grace is. It's, it's not something you earn or manufacture or you can conjure yourself. It's, it's, it's truly a gift that God gives. And I have a sense today, as, as we're going to pray in just a few minutes, that God wants to give our church the, the grace to hunger and seek after him in a new and special way. So I'm going to just simply pray in a few minutes for every single person, young and old, rich and poor, new Christian, old Christian, for a grace to want him more. And we're going to do that. Now, I, I was not planning on preaching today. Uh, we had, for those of you who don't know, we had the XY conference this past weekend, the men's conference. It was so special. It was wonderful. But I was not planning to preach because I, I was going to bring my friend Jason Ballard uh, from Vancouver to come and speak at the XY conference. He was supposed to be here this morning. My kids were disappointed that he's not. Sorry, you got your dad. It's, uh, it is what it is. Um, but Jason texted me at 4 a.m. Friday morning, and there was a family emergency uh, that his mother-in-law had had heart failure and is fighting for her life even today, so he'd be praying for that family. Uh, but he wasn't able to come to XY, which, okay, we figured something out there. The Lord had a plan. That was awesome, but also that meant that I was now responsible for Sunday. So normally, um, some of you don't know what a pastor does all week, but I usually spend like 30 hours or so on a sermon. Uh, I didn't have that this week. However... Uh, I did have the, the gut reaction immediately. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call Pastor John or Pastor Don and tell them to dust off their Rolodex. They've been preaching for 40 years. So just get something we all forgot about, man. Just, just go, go. But, <laughs> but I, just ha- I just had the sense that the Lord just wanted me to, to just offer a few thoughts about the Holy Spirit and then, and then just pray and we'll be done. And so I, I don't have... Uh, some big profound sermon. I, I just have some thoughts and some testimony, and I want to teach for a few minutes on the Holy Spirit. And hopefully, by the time we leave this morning at all of our locations, uh, God will give us that grace to just hunger and seek after Him in a special way. And I really feel that strongly. And I feel like there's a there's some folks in the room that, like, maybe in, in all the rooms that maybe you naturally hunger and thirst. Like, there's some people who are just like passion heavy. You know what I mean? Like, they're just they like. They want to spend time with God, but some of us aren't wired that way uh, naturally, and you're like a busybody, and it's hard for you to just like to want to be with him. And I feel like, especially for those of you who just, you don't know how to do that, I feel like the Lord's going to give you a gift to find just new ways to find him uh, in this season. So I want to pray that in just a minute, but I want to just take a few minutes and teach on Life with the Holy Spirit. And some of this will be recap for you, but a lot of it I think just God's going to breathe fresh wind over it. I want to tell you really quickly about my journey as it pertains to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you who don't know who the Holy Spirit is, we've got a lot of teaching online. You go on our YouTube channel, and, and I've done a lot of teaching on that. But very quickly, the Holy Spirit is, is God, and we, we believe that God is three in one, right? God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they are, they are all three distinct 
beings, but one Godhead. And as God created, as a father created, you see, you see the, the, the Trinity at work even in that. And Jesus tells us that it's better when he was with the disciples. He said, now I'm going to leave you. And they all started freaking out. Like, don't leave us. He said, no, it's better that I go because I'm going to go and I'm going to send you the comforter. And that you're going to actually walk in my presence and I'm going to be in you and on you and go before you in a way that I can't do if it's just me here in a body. And so we believe that the Holy Spirit is living and active. That's why we celebrate Pentecost. And so my journey, though, with the Holy Spirit is probably similar to a lot of you, especially if you come to this church, because we've been sort of on this journey now together. But I grew up in an awesome church. Like, I, I look back on my church, the more, the more that I, I, I age and walk with God and even lead a church, the more grateful I am for my upbringing. I grew up at a, a Wesleyan church in Fredericton. Wesleyan's the denomination we're part of. Uh, actually, our church, and I think this is a surprise to a lot of you, we're part of the Wesleyan denomination as well. Um, some of you are like, I'm a Pentecostal, and that's what it is. You, you go, girl, whatever. That's fine. I don't care. I don't, I don't really care about that stuff. But um, I grew up in this little Wesleyan church, and, and it was very similar to what a lot of your upbringing is. If you didn't grow up maybe in a Pentecostal or charismatic context, you probably grew up similar to me if you grew up at the church at all. And that is, uh, you know, authority of the word, yes. You know, Bible preaching, we believe in God the Father and the, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit in my upbringing, we very much believed in him, but he was kind of like this stranger that we all loved but would show up from time to time. Does that make sense to anyone? Like we would have these Sundays where it would be like just this special visitation where like we we're just doing our thing and for whatever reason like conviction comes and God just moves in a powerful way and, and, and we loved it. Uh, but it, you never really know, knew, and, th- and part of that's just how the Spirit is. Like, Jesus compared the Holy Spirit to the wind. Like, he does what he wants, when he wants, where he wants. But there was a level in my upbringing where the Spirit was just kind of this mysterious outsider that every once in a while would knock on the door of the church or knock on the door of a person's life and come in, do some cool stuff, and then disappear, you know, as fast as he came. And that was kind of my expectation and understanding of the Holy Spirit for my whole childhood and even into my young adult age. And then I, uh, I went to St. Thomas University. I was very much a believer, had some profound experiences with God in my upbringing at church, at youth camps. I mean, I cried at the altar while Present Reality and Anthony Moore played bass many, many times as a teenager. Um, but then I went, to, I went to university, went to St. Thomas for a year, and then felt the Lord pull me to go to Kingswood. And I went to Kingswood, and I really discovered Jesus for, like, the first time in my life in, in a way that just, like, grabbed my heart and my imagination, like, um, and, and that's a beautiful season when, when Jesus just becomes personal to a person. Um, I, did my, I did my time at, I uh, did my time like I was in prison. I did, my, I, did my, <laughs> I did my few years at Kingswood and realized I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go into ministry. I love this. I love Jesus. I love serving the church. I love the church. And was, again, having encounters with the Holy Spirit, but he was just this wild stranger that would show up like once in a while. And, I still did not have an experience where I learned that the Holy Spirit is actually like God wanting to live and dwell with us in relationship with us all the time. Until 2005, uh, as I was finishing up my time at Kingswood, uh, the last stop for me was to go and serve at a church on an internship under a pastor. And I was invited to go to a little church in a farm field in Presque Isle, Maine. Uh, under a guy named Rick Cavanaugh. And I, I was very excited to go because all I knew really about this church was it was 
unusual in that there was like 800 people a week coming on fire wanting to hear the word of God and that there was strange kind of just power happening in this church. It was just unusual and I wanted to be part of it. I didn't really know anything beyond that other than, well, that seems special and I would like to experience that. So I got the invite to go there and I went there and immediately when I started in the summer, Pastor Rick was in a series talking about the Holy Spirit and he began to teach some things that were a bit offensive to me at first because the devil tried to convince me that like I was some second-class Christian that was missing out. But once I listened a little longer, I started to feel the invitation of the Holy Spirit uh, wanting to draw me in. But I heard Rick preach about this truth that actually the Holy Spirit was never meant to just be some stranger that you met once in a while and got a top up and experience and then he's gone again. But the Holy Spirit was given to the church and given to Christians to fill us and to rest upon us and to go before us. And he's not some stranger that wants to visit your home from time to time. He actually wants to be in relationship with you like a father to a son, like a bride to a husband who moves in and actually takes over your whole house. And so I started to hear a a, a teaching on this and I started to experience a church that intentionally were trying to welcome the Holy Spirit into their day-to-day existence. And they didn't do it perfectly. It's a dance, and it's a dance for our church that we're continuing to do. But that was the first time for me that really this concept of uh, there's more God for me to experience in my life, and, and, and he comes in the form of the Holy Spirit, and that I need to posture and position my life in such a way that I can experience him better. And so it created this appetite and this season of seeking in me. Uh, that came to, a, came to a culmination, or at least a beginning, I would say, uh, in October of 2005. I was at a men's conference. I've told many of you this story before. I'll, I'll tell it till I die. Uh, and I, I came up and I sat down on a chair uh, similar to this, and I just said, I, I started to say to the guys, I, I want what God has for me, and I'm willing to do anything. There was just this hunger in me that uh, began to overwhelm my heart, and I was desperate. And that's kind of what I'm praying for our church, and I feel like God wants to do is just stir up some desperation in our hearts. And anyway, I sat down, and I said that, and I couldn't even finish my prayer. I felt like the, like the, kid, like the son in the parable of the prodigal son like prepares a speech, and he's getting ready to say it, and the father just goes, Whoa. And... Uh, Like I was, I was, just hit. I can't describe it as anything like, like a, like a gentle slash violent hug from the living God. Um, and I filled my heart, changed my mind on things. And from that point on, like, I was never the same. Like, there was something in my heart that just, just it bent the other way. Um, and that happened in 2005. Fast forward, I finished working there. I started come to King's Church. 17 years I've been here. Can you imagine? And um, I started, and we, it, our, this church has been awesome for decades. It way precedes me. Uh, but I, I started serving here, and some of the stuff that I'd experienced with Pastor Rick sort of 
got set aside, like I would say in humility, um, with all respect, the, that the Holy Spirit was very much moving and working in the life of King's Church at that time. Uh, we were seeing conversions happen through productions, and we just have an amazing, rich history, and he would show up. But it wasn't the same culture of consistent expectation and seeking that was in Presque Isle. And so it sort of got set over here. And for the next, like, seven years, he sort of became a stranger again to me. Most of that's on me. It's not on anybody's, it's no one's fault. Fall of 2012, many of you know the story, I suddenly became the senior pastor. I had actually a, a prophetic dream in July of that summer. I'd never had a dream from God where God spoke to me uh, up until that point. And the, the short story of the dream is God said to me, not audibly, but as clear as I've ever heard anything in my, in my spirit, he said, I'm driving you into something. You have no control over it, but don't be afraid. I'm with you. And uh, our, our church went into a season of crisis, and I called our church to pray. And I just said, we're just going to go into a season of prayer. We don't really know what we're going to do next. We're just going to pray. And it was at that point that the door just kind of swung open, and the Holy Spirit invaded my life and our church in a brand new and deepened way. Uh, I can't describe it any other way that we, we were humbled and we were desperate, and the Holy Spirit loves that. And so he came in and began a work of renewal that, frankly, we're still, we're still experiencing some of the seeds that were planted in that very season bearing fruit right now. Um, and while, it was a wild ride, though, for me. My ride wasn't done with the Holy Spirit. Like, I, like weeks after I became the senior pastor, I had a man email me out of the, out of the blue and said, hey, Brent, you don't know who I am. Um, I, I had a dream about you, and God wants me to invite you and your whole lead team to come down to my retreat center and just, just heal. I'm like, all right. So we went down. It was a nice weekend. And then him and his wife began to like do prophetic ministry over our lead team. And it like, it was utterly just profound for us because we learned the spirit is not just some abstract concept that works in these mysterious ways, but he can get very specific. And if you will reach for him and invite him, there is this dynamic to the Christian life that can actually flow and dance and walk in tandem and in touch with the living God every single day. And that kind of opened us up to an ongoing journey of seeking the Lord and just trying in humility and in hunger to always be walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're, we're doing even here today. That's, that's why we're launching into these next few months, or these next few weeks we're calling Nearness Month, where it's like, what can we do to invite the Holy Spirit to have even more of us? And what can we do to ask the Holy Spirit to give, him more of him, give us more of himself? That's really what we're after. Because I, I, I've drawn some conclusions about the Holy Spirit. Like, if, for you note-takers, this isn't all going to be testimony. I, I, I've learned a few things. Let me just move back here a little bit. Sorry, sorry camera people. Actually, uh, you don't know this, but uh, you, you guys at the sites, but my dad and my sister are on cameras today. How fun. <laughs> How fun is that? I feel, like, I feel like my dad enjoys filming his boy. I feel like my sister endures it. 
Yeah, like, yeah. Here's a few conclusions I've drawn about the Holy Spirit. First is this. The Holy Spirit can be in us and with us, but not on us. What do I mean by that? I believe, and the Bible teaches this, that when you accept Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit takes up residence. The seed of the Holy Spirit gives, gives new life. Like the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in us. Yeah. And so that's the gift of salvation. But I have also learned that there is this second work that happens where we receive the power or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts 2 is all about. Were, were the disciples believers before Acts 2? Yeah. But something different happened at Acts 2. They, they received like the cloak, the anointing, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a different way than they'd had him before. If you go back into John, too, you can even see Jesus. It says he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And that happened before Acts 2. So what was happening at Acts 2? Acts 2 was the gift of the Holy Spirit resting upon the church. And I have learned, and I've observed it in my own life. I've observed it in our church. I've observed it in other churches. That there is a difference between the Spirit's omnipresence, that he's everywhere, and the Spirit's manifest presence. Do you know know what I'm saying, King's Church? Like there is a difference between the Holy Spirit in general terms and when the Holy Spirit, like, no, he's right there moving in this way. There is a difference, and a a distinct difference. I have also learned that life with the Spirit, both individually and corporately, is available to all, but accessed by those who will seek. When the Spirit fell on the church at Pentecost, don't sleep on the fact that Jesus just said, go and wait. Do you notice that? I always think about, like, would I have been left... Well, first, it tells us there was 120 in the upper room. How many did they start with? Were there 400? I don't know. Maybe they all just were like, you see the risen Jesus? Maybe that's motivation to just do what he says. But maybe all 120. But like, would I have waited long enough to experience the Holy Spirit? There is a reality of seeking that is connected to your experience with the Holy Spirit. There just is. There needs to be this pursuit this is an unpopular opinion. Let me, let me just say it. I love unpopular opinions. I'm just all for it. When it comes to your Christianity, when it comes to walking with God, the life of the Spirit, there are levels to this stuff. Like not every believer, like every believer is saved by grace. Amen? Come on. Every believer has been, been, been given the gift of salvation. Every believer gets to, when they die, walk up to the pearly gates. I don't really know if it's that way, but let's just go with it. And they're going to be asked, why should I let you in? And you're going to say, because Jesus died for my sins and I have every right to come in because what he did for me. Every believer. However, not every believer walks in uh, increasing joy, increasing peace, increasing gentleness, self-control, Christ-likeness, like those things you can watch in a church, they vary in people. Y'all, those even vary in my life season to season. You ever notice that? Let's not just examine each other. Let's put, let's put the magnifying glass right here. It's like I have noticed that there are levels and there are things that God will do only when I learn to seek him. Period. 
And I'm convinced that we leave a lot on the table because we are not willing to pursue more. And I've learned this, number three, that there is no comparison between a church or a believer operating exclusively in natural giftedness and one who also operates in concert with the power and presence of the Spirit. It's just not the same thing. And you, you've noticed this maybe in your own life or maybe in the life of another believer. There, there is just this quality about someone who knows the voice of the Spirit and someone who's walking in step with the Spirit it's, it's absolutely different than somebody who's just saved by grace but doing my thing. Amen? And can I, just, can I just say as a pastor, and I'm preaching to myself today, y'all, we were made for so much more than I'm saved by grace, I'm going to heaven, I'm just going to endure this life and do my thing. Like we were made... Like, think about the mystery of we were made to walk in step, to hear the voice, to, to be guided day to day, to be given power by the very presence of the living God. How on earth do I get lazy about that? I don't even know, man. The heart is a dark thing, isn't it? And the devil is a liar. He tries to, con- he, you, know, you know, that the, the unforgivable sin, you know what it is? Does anybody know what the unforgivable sin is? There's one. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The the utter rejection and desecration of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the enemy is trying to do more than anything to get you to ignore and downplay the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? And Jesus died to give the Holy Spirit to you. It's an unimaginable mystery that I I often just sleep on. But here's what I know to be true, and here's what I want you to understand before we pray. Every believer and church are designed and invited to be led, filled, empowered, and equipped by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that again, and I want you to say a hearty amen so that your soul hears you over the lies of the enemy. Every believer and church are designed and invited to be led, filled, empowered, and equipped by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Listen up, soul, who loves the darkness, who's who's settled and comfortable. You were made for more. You say to your soul, you are made to know the living God. You are made to walk in perfect peace. You are given power and gentleness and joy and self-control. That is mine. And I do not want the lies of the enemy to rob me of what my birthright is because I am born again by the blood of Jesus. We have found that true to his word, and this is our testimony in increasing measure, We have found that true to his word, the Father is most willing to give us the Holy Spirit when we genuinely ask for him and seek him. He really does. Jesus said in Luke 11, he goes, how many of you, earthly fathers, when your son asks for bread, would give him a stone or a serpent? Then how much more would your heavenly father 
not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And I can testify that there have been seasons in my life where I have asked and sought him and he has given himself to me in increasing measure. And that's really what we want to do over these next few weeks is just convince our minds and our hearts that there's more and that we would start to seek him. Now, I want to give you just a few pointers on how to move forward in this. Are you, are you with me today? Everybody, all our locations? Uh, can you stand up and get a little more energetic? No, I can't today. <laughs> Three forward steps. If you note takers, this is for you. Step one, if you want to experience more of the Holy Spirit, here are some reasons why we don't experience the life that Jesus offers us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing you have to consider, and here's a step you're going to need to make. We have to deal with wrong wanting. That the first thing that hijacks our life with the Holy Spirit and our experience with God is heart issues. It's idols. It's, it's, it's complacency. It's comfort. It's, it's like the Bible tells us that we loved the darkness. We're comfortable here. And so that we need to have idols confronted. A.W. Tozer, one of, my, one of my favorite authors, Christian thinkers, he's... I, sometimes I, I need uh, people in my life to come around me like my mom and just tell me I'm awesome. <laughs> sometimes, most times, I just need someone to kick my butt. And Tozer is a butt kicker. And, and he says, he goes, like self, he calls them self-sins. And he says, self-sins hijack the work of God in your life. And he talked, what are self-sins? Self-righteousness, self-pity, self-confidence, Self-sufficiency, self-admiration, and self-love. Boy, that sounds like what the world tells you you should do. Y'all, the devil is a liar, and that crap is hijacking the work of God in your life. Die to self that you may live. Take up your cross and follow him so that resurrection power can come bursting into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to deal with wrong heart issues. The key is the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord and it's humility and repentance and hunger. Second thing, second step, we have to deal with wrong thinking. There are mind issues at work that often hijack the work of the Spirit. In fact, that's why, Jesus, that's why Paul said in Romans 12, he said, we're transformed not just by the work of, of grace, not just by the work of the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're transformed by the renewing of our, yeah, that there are thought patterns and neural pathways in your brain that are actually like short-circuiting the work of God. Ways that we have been trained to think and we have to change our thinking in order to experience what God has for us. In many cases, let me say it like this. It's our presuppositions that close the door to being open to experience the ministry of the Spirit. We've already determined how things can go. And so we've actually got to open our minds up to say, well, maybe there's more that I could experience. Maybe I don't know him as good as I could. Now, there are two ditches that God will pull us into. And, th and this, will, this will bring up the baggage for those of you who grew up in church. One, one of two things that the enemy will try to do to hijack you from having the right posture and the right mindset to engage God afresh. It's this. Number one, 
being contemptuous, having a critical spirit, that thing inside of you that bristles a little bit, says, I don't need that. I don't know if I believe in that stuff anyway. That crazy circus, all that, you know. What happens is contempt comes often from familiarity, tells us in the Bible, but it will, it will cause you to have a closed-off attitude to things that God would like to show you. Like, you won't let him show you new things. But it, oftentimes, if the devil can't get you to close the door, what he'll try to do is get you to open it too far. And he'll pull you over into another ditch, and that ditch is not being critical enough. And believing that every spiritual thing is God. That is a snare, y'all. This is why the Bible tells you to test the spirits. Do you know that there are all kinds of spirits in this world? There are powers and principalities and demons. You have a spirit. Every person around you has a spirit. There's all kinds of spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And the devil is happy to get you to yield to any spirit but the Holy Spirit. And so you have to learn how to not quench the Holy Spirit with your attitude of being closed off, but also not welcome demonic spirits and lying spirits with false doctrine. That's why, that's why this is always our anchor, church. Amen? Like, like we, we, we do not proceed anywhere that is not already outlined within the guardrails and foundation of the Word of God. And here's a pro tip. The Holy Spirit will never say or ask you to do anything that does not line up with what God has already said. So if somebody comes to you and says, I have a fresh revelation. God told me such and such and such. God told me to divorce my, my wife and to go find a new one. Man, I don't think, I don't think that was God. Right? You have to know the word. And so this is why Paul says, he says this, like, do not quench the spirit. And I think for some of you that maybe come from like a Reformed background, maybe a Wesleyan background like me, Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, basically any background that's not charismatic and Pentecostal, you're probably likely to lean in an area that, that closes yourself off a little too much to what the Spirit wants to do and you need to open your mind and open your heart. However, there's a lot of y'all who you came from the charismatic background, the Pentecostal background, you have been wondering when we are going to stand up and start marching around this place like people who have faith. <laughs> hey, man, whatever. It's all good. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Right? It's good. I got time for it. It's fine. I'm just, I just want, I want to say, though, that here's, here's where the enemy will get you, though. He'll get you, he'll get you to untether from this, and get you to just live right here and everything that stirs your heart's God. No, sir. It's not. Test the spirits. Don't be open to everything. Be open to the spirit and reject things that do not line up with this. Okay, so here's a healthy way forward. I got five more minutes. You good? Then I'm going to pray. You know, when, when the guy doesn't have time to prepare, sermons are longer. It's a pro tip. <laughs> it's a pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> I just, shoot, now my next, my next sermon is longer. You'll be like, well, he didn't spend enough time on that. <laughs> like, here's how we humbly move forward on, on like with our mind. From a place of hunger, we must strive for objectivity and humility. So like, God, if it's you, like, show me. 
When it comes to the things of the Spirit, the first glaring sign that you are theologically off base is the blind assumption that you are entirely on point. Did you catch that? Like if, you, if you think, I got it, I know everything there is to know about God, uh, you are off base. The first thing is like if you think you're entirely on point and that you think there's nothing left to be experienced or discovered, God is an infinite pool of joy and wisdom and discovery and mystery, and you cannot arrive. Y'all, even when we get to heaven, we will be forever looking into the mysteries of God. Like you're never, we're never going to discover all there is to discover. And so if you have an attitude that says, I already know him, yeah, but you don't know all of him. You need to know more of him. So here's, here's a prayer I've learned that is ultra-powerful. And I've learned, this, I've learned this through trial and error. I've learned this by being too contemptuous and closed off. I've also learned this by being too open to nut, nutty things that aren't in the Bible. Here's what I've learned. If I can just posture myself in this, God, I want more of you. And Lord, if it's you, I want it. If this is something that's of you, I give you permission to give it to me, even if it's outside of my comfort zone or what I would call weird. Sometimes God is weird. Amen? He is. Not weird for the sake of weird, but weird because heaven is different than earth. Like, read Revelation, man. Like, I don't know what that thing with 20 eyes and, like, it's just, like, it's just strange stuff. You should expect some strange. We're dealing with a God in like an unseen, hidden realm. Like, like if it just all comes to you in a way that you can like just, you know, neatly divide it. Like, I don't know that, that God's big enough. Man, I need a God that blows my mind sometimes. Rewires my thinking. Changes my heart. Holy Spirit, if it's you, I want it. Come how you want. Come when you want. Just so long as you come. If you, can, if you can, like, genuinely pray that prayer, God will blow your mind, and he will change your life. Third, third step, deal with wrongdoing. So wrong wanting, if you want more of the Spirit, God's going to start in your heart and your attitudes. And then wrong thinking, he's, he's going he's to continue on trying to renew your mind and change how you think. And then ultimately, it's going to play itself out in your in your actions, your body, and your, and your doing. And this has to do with alignment issues. Here's what I found out. Intimacy and fellowship with the Holy Spirit for an individual or congregation is always the will of God. However, our experience is largely predicated on whether or not we posture or align ourselves or our lives, our doing, in a way that allows him to move in our midst. Does that make sense? Uh, let me say it like this. Uh, some of you men that were in the uh, XY conference, Pastor Kevin Myers is here. It was awesome. And he, uh, he told the story about five years ago when he was praying, and he said, God, I want more of you. And he's like, I was thirsty, and I was genuine. I want more. And the Lord spoke to him, and he said, if you want more of me, you have to be more like me. And then he proceeded to tell Kevin, you need to restore your relationship with your estranged father. And he went on a journey and told us about that. But his obedience to God and his action in trying to be a restorer that is like the Father. How many know God is a restorer? So as he did that, God was able to give him more of himself. So a lot of the time, let me say this, y'all in love, I'm saying it to myself. A lot of the time, the reason we don't experience more of, the God, more of God is because there is no room for him to give himself to us. 
we're full of stuff, full of self, full of conflicted, conflicted interests, sin, dis- disobedience, all those things. If you want to experience more, you actually have to make space in your life and carve some things out and aim your whole life at him. So, so some ways that you do that, obedience, just obedience. I, I guarantee you after this week, uh, the spirit is going to invite you to do something and it's going to be an opportunity for you to say yes to him so that he can give you more of himself. So just note that. Because the Bible says that, like God, it says in Acts, God gives the spirit to those who obey him. It looks like obedience. How else do you make room? Faith. Stepping out. You know, we say this around here, Pastor Anthony, Dan, they say, you know, like, like faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Like just being willing to step out and risk. Ugh. You know, it's, it's, it's the worst and the best. I don't know. Like, you just, you all know what it is. Obedience, faith, and sacrifice. Like, just making space. So that's ultimately what we're going to do with this Nearness Month. We have, uh, we're putting together a website, and we're just going to give you some options to make space for God to move in your life. There's going to be just different ways you can do that. You can go online. We're going to have worship nights, extended prayer. We've got some uh, spiritual uh, guides online that you can go through every day. But ultimately, it's going to be on you to figure out how you're going to walk this out with the Lord um, after we pray for grace to hunger and seek. A couple more just things guideline-wise. Here's some starting points and some risks you're going to need to take, efforts you have to make. Number one, confession. If you want more of him, you have to be more like him. And that means one, coming to him and saying, God, this is not like you. Take it. That's what repentance is, right? It's, it's realizing there's something in my life that is at odds with the life of God. And so I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I, I, need, I need this to be crucified and this thing to die. Take it and forgive me. Confession. Second thing, consecration. What's consecration? How many of you, when I say the word holiness, just stuff stirs up inside of you? Like, you're like, oh, man. I do. I have baggage with that word. But all holiness is, is, is consecration. It's to set apart something. And, and the reason that God calls us to be holy is because he's holy. But it's not like just some moral standard to obtain to. Again, it's to be shaped like him so that we can receive more of him. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah, like, like I'm actually molding my life in such a way that invites God and his presence to come into my life in, more, in, in increasing measure. That's the purpose of holiness. Why does God want you to be holy? Because he wants to give you more of himself. And so if you're shaped like him, he fits in. Let me ask you that question. Does God fit in your life? He wants to reshape you so that he can invade more of your space. And when he invades more of your space, the fruit of the Spirit starts popping. Love, joy, gentleness, patience, peace, self-control, kindness. And then third, here's the challenge in this. How many of you are like a little OCD like me? And like you sit down to pray and you go, squirrel! (laughs) Right? Like... I think, I think the challenge in this season, and this is why we don't really have like a big campaign. We've got a few things online that are hopefully going to help you, but I think we just got to commit to wait on him a little bit. Just, just linger. Push past 
sometimes, like our, our tight schedules. And God, you can show up at 7.30 tomorrow night, right? Like it, it is, I, I understand, and we will, we will do quote-unquote revival meetings, but it is a little hilarious that we like say, God, you can come here now, right? Like he's God, like, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not so much, like, us just inviting him, but maybe he's inviting us to, like, get on his timeline and get on his terms. And so I think there's going to be some moments for you where he's just going to ask you, would you just wait? Would you push in 10 minutes? Just turn your phone off. Turn the TV off and just sit and shut up. <laughs> I said shut up. I don't know if the Spirit did, but, like... <laughs> He says, it, he says it to me. I don't know. He probably uses your language. But like, it's like, just, 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 just shut the stupid thing. You know? Just, just wait on me. And I really think if we, can, if we can kind of step forward in this season, just be quick to repent. Y'all, it is a gift to learn to call sin, sin. And just be quick to like call stuff for what it is and not let it linger, not let it have its space. If we can be quick to confess, if we can just carve out a little space, some of you should really consider fasting. Like just whether it's food or TV or social media, y'all, if you put social media down for the next four weeks, revival would come. Like... I don't know, but like I really believe God will invade that space. Like whatever it is for you, ask him, ask him, Lord, what, what space would you like to occupy that I currently have filled with something else? I dare you to ask him that prayer and, and actually listen. And then just wait. All right, stand to your feet, all of our locations. Here's the prayer. Actually, let me give you the promise. Here's the promise. This is yours in Christ Jesus. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. This is what God wants for you. So just hear this in your spirit. Let the, let the lies of the enemy fade away. I want to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Someone say amen. amen. I would like you, Lord, to prosper me, not to harm me, and to give me a hope and a future. Amen. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. That is wild. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. So I'm going to pray and I feel like the Lord's going to answer and give us a gift as we leave today. That he's going to just like put those like invisible paddles on our heart and just... And just like charge us with a little bit of motivation and a little bit of, of hunger that we didn't have when we came in. And he's going to give us a grace to hunger. And you're going to find yourself, I'm just going to prophesy this. You're going to find yourself prompted in moments and feeling compelled to draw near to him. And he's going to give you wisdom as to what that looks like. Some of you will be on your commute. You got, you know, whatever that classic rock blaring and you know, twisted sister playing, and the Lord says, shut that off and listen. And you're like, bah. Like, he's going to give you wisdom as to what it looks like. He'll show up in your life. So, let, so if, you, if you would like the promise, I'll invite you all of our locations to open your hands. I'm going to pray that God would give you just the gift to hunger 
and seek in this season. So, Father, thank you for what you have promised us. Thank you that you know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. We say we believe that is true today. And, Lord, we just confess that our hearts are weak, often pulled towards things that aren't you. And so, Father, we, we ask for help today. We just say we need grace even to want you. And so, Father, in your mercy, I pray over King's Church today, over every heart and every mind, I pray for the grace to hunger after you in a new way. Lord, make us thirsty. Help us know we're thirsty. Make us hungry for your presence. And then, God, give us energy and wisdom as to how to seek after you in this season. And we know that if we do, we will find you. So help us seek you with more of our hearts than ever before, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen.